like that. So I, I looked all over the church today for a globe, and I couldn't find a globe, but I found something round. A ball, a, a four-square ball. Uh, growing up, we would use that playing dodgeball in the gym. Uh, it kind of didn't have much air in it. But I just want you to imagine that that's a globe, the world, all right? Where do you think we might live on there? Let's say that's the equator. So we might live kind of right in here, right? You think? About right in there? You think? Somewhere in there? Um, we're going to read from Genesis today. And when we open the first page of the Bible, we read, you want to hold that? We read that in the beginning, God created. And God created light, and he said it was good. Can you say that with me? It was good. Can the congregation help with that? It was good. And then God created the sky, and he said it was good. Say it was good. And then the ocean sea and the dry land, and God said it was good. Say it was good. Trees and flowers, sun, moon, stars, and God said it was birds and fish. What's your favorite bird? A parrot, your favorite. And God created birds and fish and said it was. And created all the animals. What's your favorite animal? A lemur? Duckbill platypus? Sloth? A horse? And God created horses and said it was good. And then God created humanity, man and woman. Oh, there was another word in there. He says it was very good. Very. Only after God created us, humanity, did God say it was very good. So we're going to look at creation today. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you and you alone are creator. You are powerful and creative. We thank you for making us in your image and making all very good. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let me have my world back. Thanks. Y'all need some treats over there on the front row. There you go. All the treats for everybody over there. That's good. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for bringing us here and to worship you in this sanctuary today. Lord, we need rain. We need rain. Things are turning brown. Our grass, cold weather grass is turning brown. Our gardens and fields are suffering from lack of rain. And Lord, as we read today, remind us that you, you are the creator. You created and you sent rain. And so, Lord, we ask today that you would send rain Lord, right now, in my mind's eye, I just see rain falling, and I'm reminded of your grace. It falls like rain falls. So we thank you for your grace. Holy Spirit, teach us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Anybody plan any family gatherings this weekend? It's a good time to plan family gatherings, family reunions. We used to be kind of in July. Uh, my side of the family had family reunions when I had a, a uh, cousin who was a United Methodist minister who was a campus minister. He had the summers off, and so he could plan those. 
uh, as a kid, we would go, and I just remember it was hot. There was this Bowers reunion that I would go visit my grandmother's, my grandmother with, and my mama's maiden name's not Bowers, and my last name's not Bowers. I couldn't figure out why I was going to Bowers reunion. It was always hot. I always had unsweet tea. They didn't have any soft drinks for us kids, no pig in the blankets. Squash casserole, some folks like that. Anyway, picnics and tables with the apple pies and watermelon. We had a watermelon on the mission trip. Oh, my. Pam, that was the best watermelon I've had ever. It was good. It was good. Blueberries. I had some fresh blueberries this week. Peaches. Anybody have any fresh peaches yet? Peach truck is a good. My daughter works at peach truck this summer. Homemade ice cream. Mmm, mmm. Hot dogs this weekend, some brats, cookouts. This is kind of a month of meals, especially, especially when the garden comes in. Mmm. We're taking a journey this month from Genesis to Revelation, and uh, we're taking this, this whole sweep of the Bible with the meals that our Heavenly Father provides for us. And it's the it's, uh, sermon series is called Let's Eat. Time to eat. God's original plan, original covenant with humanity is found in Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to invite you to turn there. We're going to read it in just a second. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 is this sweeping panoramic view of creation. And it emphasizes God's transcendence. Genesis 1 is an introduction and a lens to originally the first five books of the Bible and ultimately an introduction to our faith. By the way, Moses is credited with writing Genesis. And so we want to ask this question, what is Moses concerned about as he writes in the beginning? He's not concerned with explaining the end of the dinosaur age. He's not concerned with this old earth, young earth argument that we sometimes have now. What is Moses concerned about? Moses is concerned about educating Yahweh's wayward people as to who he is and who they are in their relationship with him. Freshly rescued from the hands of the Egyptians, this concept of monotheism is new to the people of Israel. Yahweh unlike the gods in, is unlike the gods in Egypt. This one, Yahweh, stands outside of his creation. There are no rivals, and Yahweh has created humanity as his image bearers, not slaves. And so we will see man and woman created in the very image and likeness of God. God's representatives on earth, appointed stewards of all wealth and beauty of paradise. Made in the image of God. Turn to your neighbor and remind them that they are made in the image of God. You mirror and reflect God's character and presence in the world. We have the capacity to know God and to communicate with Him. We have the capacity for relationships one with each other which are profound, and those relationships are glorious. We can truly love God and love neighbor. 
We are his ambassadors in the world. We are to govern the world, share in his rule, and, and reign over it. While God always remains sovereign over the universe, he has delegated the care and the nurture of the earth to us. How are we doing with that care and nurture of the earth? Is there room for improvement? He commanded to fill the earth, to rule over it, to care for it, to subdue it for his glory and our good. This is the perfect plan, flawlessly ordered, infused with balance and productivity where every rock, every plant, every animal has its own designated place, a God-ordained space where each could thrive, reproduce, and serve the good of the whole. And he chose us. To manage this space. Humanity, given all authority to protect, maintain, and develop God's great gift under God's ultimate authority. So we're going to pick up at the sixth day of creation. Join me at, at uh, Genesis 1, verse 26. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make humanity in our own image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image, in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply And fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, see, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, have given every green plant for food. And so it was. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Any gardeners in the house? Spoke to one of our members this week. Left a message. She called back. She'd been in the garden. I have a small garden, a few tomato plants and cucumbers are coming in nicely. Uh, yesterday, Judy and I bought this, uh, this liquid that you put, you cut up cucumbers and you put it in a mason jar and, uh, and make some pickles. So they'll be ready about lunchtime today. I'm looking forward to that. I have memories of my grandparents' garden. I can still see my grandmother's hands covered in cut corn. One hand holding the corn cob, the other a vegetable peeler cutting corn off to put in the freezer. I remember shucking that corn in yellow jackets in the heat of Georgia summer. I can see, still see in my mind's eye my grandfather coming out of the, the cornfield with this uh, sack that he had draped over himself with the, the corn in there. And he would dump it out on the, on the table and we would shuck it and, and cut it and freeze it. We can only imagine what the first garden was like, the Garden of Eden. 
all the fruits and vegetables, herbs and spices, all right there. It was a vegetarian garden buffet. I bet some delicious meals came from that garden. Did you notice in reading the scripture today that only vegetables, only plants were given for food? That there was no meat? For there to be meat, there has to be death. You and I, we we know that. Sandra Richter in Epic of Eden puts it this way, this start of Genesis 1 and 2, that the people of God are thriving in the place of God, dwelling in the presence of God. Tremendous freedom. Tremendous freedom when the people of God are thriving in the place of God and dwelling in the presence of God. Food is found in Scripture over 1,200 times, and food demonstrates God's goodness when He provides it. Meals in the Bible are often eaten, consisting mostly of vegetables. But it does hurt me to say this, that, that meat wasn't on that first garden buffet, and meat in the Bible times was not eaten every day. Meat does make the table when serving strangers or a special event, a feast, a festival, and honored guests. Grains were important, bread by itself or something else, but we know that you can't live on bread alone. Fruit and fish were favorite parts of biblical meals. You know, you and I, we bond over meals. When you eat with someone, it connects you to them like no other activity. Have you noticed that family meals around the table have become rare? Anybody notice that? What has become common is fast food and faster food. Why has my food not arrived here yet? Restaurants don't want us to linger at the table after the meal. They want to turn the table. They want to get you in, get you served, get you fed, get you out, get the next in. It's how they make money. If you sit there long enough, the manager will come by and say, is everything okay? That's the hint. Back in May, I was with my Wesley band of, of brothers, just seven pastors, we're in a this discipleship support group, and we were near, uh, over near Center Hill Lake. And one of the things that we do really well in our time together is that we share meals together. It's, a, it's an important part of our time. This time, we stepped it up, and we went to a nice restaurant. It was, it was not uh, take-and-bake pizza. We went to a place called Evans Meal over near Center, Center Hill Lake. Uh, it's a reservation-only meal. It's one of those places where they bring the soup out, and then there's like too much time between the soup and the salad. And then they, they bring out the main course after the salad, and it seems like there's too much time. Y'all know what I'm talking about? A little too much time. We spent over two hours around the table. At first, it's a little irritating. Come on, hurry up. We got other things to do. But then once you settle into that and you enjoy the conversation and company, it's different. When was the last time you lingered over a meal with family or friends? With the TV off and phones put away. Hmm. Eating is a sign of rejoicing and celebration. It's, it's an opportunity to, to share not only food, but conversation and life. Fellowship is, is more special when it's done over a meal. Eating is a sign of contentment. God provided the first of us with a 
vegetable garden buffet. It was plentiful. It was enough. There was contentment. There was perfect freedom. There was love. The name is Eden because it means delight. The garden of delights. It was enough. The man and the woman have being and breath through no ability of their own. The man and woman, they have provision and sustenance and purpose through no power of their own. They have the opportunity for intimacy with God through contact and conversation. In their marriage relationship, they each have fellowship with another person who is made in the image of God. All of that was good because the Lord was their shepherd and they shall not want. When the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. The Lord provides with us goodness and mercy all the days of our lives. Our cup overflows. And when our cup overflows and the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want, it's in those times that we are prosperous because of what He has provided. Are you all with me? Somebody's in church today. Come on. Because of what He's provided, we are prosperous. Prosperous in our relationships with one another and with the Lord. Because surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life and my cup runneth over. The Lord told Abraham that you will be a blessing and you will bless. I want you to take into our hand your bulletin insert this morning. It's a bookmark that you've seen before if you were with us particularly on Palm Sunday their first side is some conversation starters to talk to folks about our church Judy and I were at our community pool yesterday sitting in the shade before the shade goes away reading a little bit and behind me uh, there was a tent set up and some folks were making little donuts and the wait for the donuts was 45 minutes. And I decided I didn't need a donut. So some folks were gathered just behind us at our community pool there in our neighborhood. And in the span of 20 minutes, I heard two different conversations from four different couples about their church. Casual conversation. Somehow they figured out how to talk about their church. Have you told anybody about our cereal boxes? We're collecting cereal boxes to feed folks and invite them, even if they aren't a member of a church. Have you told folks about our wheelchair ramps and our missions, our people's table, where we feed about 300 people a week? Have you told anybody about the good things that God is doing through First United Methodist Church? Folks, if we want to grow our church, if we want to see our pews full Talk about the goodness of God and what he's doing through our church. We want to bless people because God has blessed us. So bless. We begin with prayer. You have been praying for folks that they may know Jesus. Some have put their names on that board. You've been listening to the folks that you've been praying for. And now we're talking about eating. Everybody likes to eat. I've never met anybody that doesn't like to eat, Rush. 
We eat out of sustenance, yes. But we also eat out of relationship. So I want to encourage you to be a blessing. You see, for the first of us, Adam and Eve, what was enough was not enough. It became not enough. They didn't see their cup as overflowing. They didn't see that goodness and mercy was going to follow them all the days of their life. A serpent, who by the way is not an image bearer and is insidious, he knows the prohibition, he fiends ignorance, and he asks to be instructed. The question, it suggests doubt of God's goodness and provision. You ever doubt God's goodness and provision? Hey, somebody get in that boat with me. I know I'm not alone. The woman saw that the off-limits tree was good for food. It was a delight to her eyes. She took, she ate, she gave some to her husband, and they immediately went from freedom to fear. There was nothing in the garden of delight to be afraid of. There was no physical death. There was no cancer. There was no fleshly ambitions that needed to be crucified. They went from freedom to fear. They were immediately separated. And Adam felt the terror of being utterly alone, abandoned, exposed, and vulnerable. And then the first death in Scripture occurs. An animal whose skin was used to clothe Adam and Eve. Death has now become a reality. Why is the world so broken? This is why. Sin entered the world, the consequences of dire death, both physical and spiritual. Humanity plunged into alienation, both from God and from one another, driven from the garden of delight, away from God's presence. And there was nothing that they can do to get back to where they were. It's all up to God to make a way. And He does. There is one antidote for this fear in us. Jesus came to give us life. And He conquers this fear. He conquers this death. He frees us from this fear. And He frees us from this death. He uprights what was turned over. And His death on the cross for you was for you. And He invites you to come to His table where you get a taste of the meal that is to come. Christ our Lord invites us to his table. All who love him and earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice of the vine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ so that we can be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast. (laughs) You see where we're going? And we feast 
at his heavenly banquet.